Sunrift Adventures and Historic Travelers Rest South Carolina has been outfitting the foothills for over 37 years with the best boats, bikes, tents, and more. With great brands, Sunrift has you covered for every adventure. Stop into Sunrift Adventures' unique outdoor shop and say hello today. Go to sunrift.com for more information. That's sunrift.com. Nature's Edge is brought to you by the Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina, Western North Carolina's only magazine dedicated to the fishing enthusiast. Pick one up at over 400 locations throughout Western North Carolina or visit them online at theanglermagazine.com to find out more. And be sure to follow them on Facebook, Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.com. Hey, guys. Dale Stewart here with Nature's Edge. I thought today we might talk about fishing a little bit. Our, uh, our guest in the studio today is Joe Woody and uh, with the Angler Magazine, Western North Carolina. And, and Joe, along with his wife, who I think is the real boss, are the uh, co-owners and, and co-publishers of, of the Angler Magazine. And Joe, welcome to Nature's Edge. And uh, let's just start out by... Tell people that might not know what the Angler Magazine is all about. Uh, thank you, Dale. Forrest, thanks, guys. Um, uh, you may have seen the Angler Magazine around Western North Carolina. It uh, We call it a national fishing magazine, an outdoor magazine uh, with a local flair. Uh, I'm part of 38 guys right now who own a, an edition of the Angler Magazine all the way up and down the East Coast and all the way out to Michigan, Costa Rica. And uh, it's, it's a national magazine, but each section has, each magazine uh, publishes their own local edition inside the, the national magazine. And so um, that's what we do. We talk about things that are relative to water. Uh, think of that fishing, rafting, kayaking. Hold that microphone close to your mouth. Yeah, can, there you hear, go. can you hear better? There you go. Is that better? That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's where you want it. Yeah. Uh, anything to do with the outdoors? You know, that's that's what we are. I, I, you know, I, it's called the, the Angler Magazine, but we're I like to call us Adventure Anglers. So you know, we're the those guys that has our trucks loaded with camping gear, and we'll walk twelve miles to catch a brook trout that's four inches long. It's a sickness. Yeah, it, it is, and I and I'm glad I have it. I, I also want to thank you because uh, uh, the Angler Magazine and, and Joe Woody are the main sponsors for Nature's Edge. Well, I'm, I'm glad we can do that. That's uh, um, you know, it's something that's dear to my heart. Uh, what you talk about every week is stuff I love, and as long as we can do it, we'll continue doing it. Well, let's talk a little bit about fishing. All right, let's talk I, about it. And and, and uh, people that know me know I'm a know I'm a avid fisherman and and uh, love to get out there. And uh, I thought one of the things that I want to talk to you about, Joe, is you know we have had a lot of rain in Western North Carolina, and and mm-hmm. we got rain today, and I think most of the week. What doesn't high water have an impact on fish? It does, and depending on what type of fish it is, uh, you know. Uh, when you start talking, I, I put fishing in several different categories. Yeah, I am a small creek river guy. You know, myself included. Yeah, you, you get me on a small creek in a river, and I can talk for days. You get me on a lake, it's a different story. I have to rely on other people who are a lot more intuitive and smarter than me. Uh, speaking from the small creek and lake guy, I love to fish for trout, and we'll start start with trout as as the water comes up. 
uh, and gets more colored. Uh, believe it or not, especially brown trout and some rainbow trout, they become more active because they lose their fear. Uh, you know, and think of if you're trying to hide from a predator all day and you're in clear water, uh, you're going to be le- a lot spooky. But as soon as that water clarity goes down, they start becoming more active. So if you talk to a lot of fishing guides, uh, colored water and high water is the time to catch the monsters. So you'll, you, they love to go out and throw huge, huge streamers and stuff and throw big baits for large brown trout when the water's up. I've heard guys tell me they've caught brown trout underneath picnic tables and campgrounds when the water comes up. And it's, uh, you know, it's, so it's a, it, for that type of fish, you know, if, if you're willing to do it and get out there and get a little dirty, it's a good time sure. to go fishing. Uh, I think in, in lakes, uh, fishing for lakes, the, the fishing, uh, you know, changes. You have to change your, your style. I don't know if it's the same thing for trout and smallmouth that I'm thinking about in lakes and in the creeks and rivers that it is in the lakes. I know that some of the guys I talk to have to adjust their fishing styles it's no longer you're not going to catch sight casting or throwing things like that. It's going to be larger, colorful things that's, that gets fish attention. Yeah. For um, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an avid like you fly fisherman. I love to fly fish, and and I when I and I grew up in Louisiana, basically fishing for big mouth bass on on big lakes. Yeah. And then as I began to learn to to fly fish and move to streams, and it's really one of the reasons I now live in Western North Carolina. But I always enjoyed fishing in that clear water where I could see that trout out there and I could lay that fly out in front of him. Yeah. But uh, oftentimes I'd lay that fly out there and lay that fly out there and lay that fly and, he, and he'd ignore me or, or run away. But, uh, yeah, I like this idea now that we need to go, Joe. It's because of water. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I had a friend, and it's, it's your thought process. Yeah. You know, growing up fishing with my dad and my grandpa on the, on the bank with a can of corn and a zebco you know down in the middle salute in south carolina if the, if the water got colored or it came up we didn't go fishing yeah uh, because the thought process was they can't see the, the, bait the bait or the corn right and it makes sense so the idea that fish become more active and water like that is counterintuitive you know, so maybe I'm giving away a secret here that my guides don't want me to know. Yeah, we won't. We won't be able to get <laughs> on the stream now. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, Just don't yeah. tell anybody. No, we won't. We won't. That, does are walleye and and striped uh, bass are they the same with this kind of water? Or do, or do you have a knowledge of that? My, my knowledge base on that is it's fairly low because I'm I'm like I said I'm not a river I'm not a lake guy. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, with walleye, who are typically bottom feeders, anyway, if you see them, they've got the big eyes. Yeah. They got yeah. the real big eyes, and that's evolved over time so they can see in low light situations. So I don't know if it affects them as much. Um, uh, stripers are, you know, they're they're predators. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're a different they're, animal. They're pack predators. You know, if you can find one striper, you're probably going to find a bunch of them, and they're going to be following bait. So, True. So, and some of my stripper guides are going to get me, but I always thought if you could find the bait fish, you could find the stripers if the stripers were there. The uh, fish, uh, do they have different patterns depending on the season and temperature, water, and all that? I, I think 
I, they absolutely do, and it all depends on where the where their where their food source is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, James McManus, who runs One Fifty Three Charters, wrote some good articles on fishing in Fontana because that seems like it's a deep, clear lake. It is, yeah. and the, he finds just like everything he he has to find the bait to find the fish, and in certain water temperatures, some different clarities the bait fish scatter and so the the fish scatter so he has a harder time finding them in certain clarity or water temperatures i think it has to do more water temperature i, I think it does i, I have clarity. some i have some friends who are on a professional bass fishing circuit yeah. Yeah. and uh and I, i've heard them talk about patterns before and yeah. uh, it's probably also the reason why they catch bass when i'm sitting there not catching anything but yeah. <laughs> they they yeah. tend to understand that uh uh, the the nature of the water and the nature of how fish react exactly. to all of those different circumstances. It, it, doing the angler and listening to these guys talk, right? The and you know I've got there's Shane Goble and Aaron Capehart down in Murphy and Hiawassee and James McManus on the lakes. And I'm talking about the lake guys, yeah, and, and the guys down on Lake Lure and the guys on Nantahala. They they understand that to a T. They can find fish when nobody else can. It's it's amazing to watch, you know, and made them, and listen to them talk of just about the science. They're not biologists, but they might no, as well be but, biologists, yeah. fisheries biologists, because they understand the, the tiniest detail about bait fish and how it affects everything else in the water and where they should fish when the bait fish aren't there. It's a it's an you know, I wish I had that type of knowledge. Yeah, it, uh, and I find these 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 pros like that, and and these guides, uh, man, they particularly when you're new to an area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know one of the best, some of the best money I spent when I first moved to Western North Carolina was with some of these gentlemen you just talked about, mm-hmm. uh, getting them to take me out and yeah. and and uh, observing them and watching them and. And I was also one of those guys, and I still am. You know, I'll, I'll when I go fly fishing, I'll take enough flies. It looks like I've bought out Orvis, or oh, yeah. you know, I'll take. Yeah, I, I will have pockets full of flies and and uh, uh, tray, excuse me, trays full of flies, and uh, I just keep changing it till I find what works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. I I'm a self-taught fly fisherman. Yeah, self-taught. You know, and uh, by being self-taught. You don't know if what you're doing is right. So I remember about 2003, maybe, I I, I booked a, a fly fishing guide with Hunter Banks here in Asheville. Yeah. And I did it. I was a pharmaceutical rep at the time, but I did it because I wanted to figure out what I was doing wrong because I was going through a spell. I wouldn't catch anything. And sure enough, I went out and watched these guys fish and, and and i told the i told the guy i said look man you fish with me because this is this is me learning from you this is not you have to you have to catch fish from me or i have to put so many fish in the boat i want to see how you throw to a spot and i want to see how you make something drift i want to see how you read the water and i watched these guys for a day and i learned more from them in that day than i'd learned teaching myself the last in the last five years it was if you ever get a chance to do that do it the 
especially a good guide, you know, oh, they're I, worth their time. It's absolutely, I agree, and I, I think that learning process for me was sometimes just, as you say, being around them, watching yeah. how they presented a fly, watching how they presented a bait, watching how they viewed the water, even asking them why did you yeah. go there instead of there uh, yeah. when you were casting, and and they share that experience with you, and if you'll listen to them and you'll watch. You really do. You, you'll learn more doing that than you'll ever learn any other way. And I've, I've had the same experience with some of these professional bass fishermen yeah. that I'm fortunate enough to know and have, have been kind enough to take me out a few times. And just watching their process mm. and asking them the reasons why they chose that particular bait or why they do that, yeah. uh, That to me, that's if, if you want to truly become a great fisherman, that's the way to do it. You're right. I there was a fella. Let me. I want to tell you this story. Uh, I think it was about 2004. His name's E.J. Mashburn. If you don't know him, he's fantastic. He owns Asheville Security. Uh, and at the time, I you know I was I had a wire and cable company with a buddy of mine, and I was selling him wire. And you know, you go into a place and you start talking. He likes fishing, so we of course we became buddies. So I finally convinced this fellow to go fishing with me up into the Smokies. There was a brook trout. There's a small stream over in Tennessee that they were switching over to brook trout. They're taking, they wanted people to come in and catch all the rainbows and browns out and keep them. So he and I rode over there and we started fishing. And then I was noticing that EJ was catching a fish on like every cast now I, you, you fishermen tell lies but ej was catching a fish on every cast and i wasn't catching a fish on every cast so i was i was going what am i doing different he's not so i actually stopped fishing and watched this masterpiece being drawn in front of me he was doing things with the presentation of a fly that I did not think was possible. And I just sit there and I watched him and I was, and I, I tried to go back and do what I'd been doing. And all of a sudden, all of my <laughs> errors came into play and I watched him and he showed me exactly how I was able to adjust how I casted just by watching him. You know, it was, it, I still, t- I think I wrote an, an article about it one Did time. you start catching fish? I just started, I, not that day, because I, I didn't go back and I just watched him, but I adjusted the way I, I fished based on how he did it. And I tell you, man, he, if you ever think you're, you're getting good, go with some of these guys, and they'll show you what good is. Oh, I know. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I uh, uh, Interesting story uh, I'll have real quick. I was, uh, when I was paddling the water over the Trail of Tears in my kayak, I actually came up on, I was paddling a, I think I was in about the 80th day of paddling to Oklahoma, and I was on the uh, Arkansas River. And all of a sudden, I hear this roar of boats coming toward me and, and uh, found out they were having one of the uh, Bassmaster uh, classics over there. And uh, uh, and you, you haven't experienced uh, uh, anything. until. And, and when I paddled like that, I was fishing. I had a, a little rig trolling out behind my kayak uh, hoping to get something to eat that night and here these guys come and all day as i'm paddling i kept paddling by these guys and watching them and uh, i'd stop and fish a little bit and i'd watch them and 
and uh, these guys are catching amazing fish and and uh, i mean I, I saw one guy pull in two or three you know three or four pounders just boom 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 yeah i can't catch a minnow you yeah. know with, with that. but it but it's it, and and i literally stop paddling and just sit there and watch those guys yeah. and and how he's doing it and uh, uh i mean i didn't want to paddle over there and start asking him a lot of questions because i know that's how he made his living so mm-hmm. I, I left him alone but you're exactly right they the way they present that bait the way they look at it but also there's that knowledge of the yeah. water that yeah. uh, and and it's an amazing thing because a lot of these guys had never fished that mm-hmm. that water before they got out on it that mm-hmm. day before or something so mm-hmm. that knowledge of of doing that is is pretty amazing so it's uh we can always learn, no matter how long we've been doing something. Absolutely, we can. And um, and different types of fish and different rigs and different things. It's if you're gonna, you know, if you go from like I did, I I went from from bass fishing with a with a spinning rod and a, a uh, and a purple plastic worm, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we use on a lot of bass in South Louisiana, to uh, going out and and. Uh, and spending several thousand dollars on fly fishing <laughs> gear, absolutely, yeah. and uh, you know, and 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 starting that. But again, it's it's learning to do it. And I'm like you; I was pretty well self-taught. I just got out in the backyard and started trying to figure it out. One of the one of the things I want to talk to you a little about, Joe, because it, it's a subject that comes up from time to time when I'm talking to uh, uh, fishermen, and that's public access. Right? Uh, is is that is is that becoming more of a problem? Uh, do you think in Western North Carolina, particularly with private landowners, or, or do you find most? Hmm. It's it's coming up. Uh, we just had, um, and their name just Do South Outfitters. The owners of Do South Outfitters in Boone, North Carolina, just wrote an article in our edition for February about that hmm. exact uh, issue. You know, um, some people are for it, some people are against it. Uh, some people think it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. I, I haven't made up my mind. You know, is I try to stay with judgment until I get the most information. What I've seen in places where it's unchecked, right? And I've heard some people tell me about this out in the western tip of the state where people have come in, bought up land on both sides of the river, and then put up a rope across the river and don't allow access. Um, to me, that's just, I don't want to get in anybody's owning their property. I'm not the property rights, but if you stop access on a river going through your property, uh, that cuts off all the whole river, people fishing and stuff. It does. I'm kind of now now in some States. and, And I think in Tennessee, if you're waiting, aren't you allowed to, to, wade as long as you're in the water uh i in some states you are and and forgive me for not knowing the exact from what we i read the other day and this is from uh, an author in north carolina i depending on the municipal somebody will tell me i'm wrong or right here oh yeah they'll Uh, let us know they'll they'll let us know but uh i think out in murphy if you own both sides of the river then you own the river itself and you can reset you can restrict access coming through it um i don't know if that's statewide i don't know if that's county specific uh, i don't know but i know that the guys in, from do south outfitters uh God, i wish i knew their name to give them full credit i, I know who you're talking about but um, yeah and I, I don't know it either but it, it it seems like 
does the if if it's a does it depend on the size of the river and whether or not it's a navigable river or something? Because I would think it would be a different. I, I would think it would be that if, if you're on the yeah. Tennessee or or a river that's navigable, because that's really controlled by you know the Corps of Engineers or the Tennessee Valley Authority, and that's a different different animal. Right, it, and the, the Hiawassee River is what I'm talking about. It is, Murphy. yeah, and and that's where I was first made really made aware of it that they own both sides of the river and you couldn't float down it. Yeah, which I thought that's such a navigable river that it you, is. You know, there's so much commerce that's that could be the the floating industries, the tube mm-hmm. industries, the river you know, access to the river, boating, and all that sort of stuff is damaged by that. Yeah, you know, I and I fish a lot of and and actually camp on some private land, but it's I, I've made a point to develop a relationship with the property owner. Right. You know, I don't trash things. I don't leave trash. When yeah. I leave, you can't even tell I've been there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think that's another key to it too. It, it's you know the, now and and even though there's some areas that I've fished for a long time, if I know that I'm going to that area, I'll still call the property owner and he'll say, "Dale, yeah. you don't have to call me." I know you know. Yeah. And I say, "Well, I appreciate that, but I just want you to know that you know I'm I'm going down there and I'm probably going to set my tent up and and." Uh, uh, and I, I'm going to be there this weekend fishing and wading, and and uh, it's your property, and I want you to know I'm there. And and uh, so again, I I think sometimes it's it's how we deal with that. There, there's another river that's been a that's that's really been a uh, people have civilized the Whitewater River uh, going down uh, into South Carolina through Gorgeous State Park. Uh, there's a section there, oh, I think it's 130 or 107, uh, that you get off. It used to be a long time ago that you could go in there and fish, and there's a uh, there's a waterfall there. There's a swimming hole that people used to love to do, and I heard stories about it. But somebody's bought all of that property and put up no trespassing signs, so you can't access it anymore. And, uh, I've read article after article about people, especially kayakers, are just hopping mad off of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm an avid kayaker. Joe Woody, it has been a privilege having you on uh, Nature's Edge. I mean, time blew by. Was that I mean, 30 we, minutes? That was it, bud. We we uh, we appreciate it. We're going to have to have you back uh, and, and do some do some talking. And uh, you and I need to go fishing. We do need and, to go fishing. In the future. And, and uh, Joe, again, thank you and Angler Magazine for being a sponsor of Nature's Edge. This is Dale Stewart. We will see you in the wild. Visit naturesedgemedia.com. You can check out podcasts, videos, lecture archives from Dale, and much more. Thank you for listening to Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, brought to you by Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.